Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. Before we get started here, we'd like to do a shout out to our patrons, Frederick and Dustin. Uh, we really appreciate um, you know you pitching in here and helping us out with everything. Uh, so thank you very much. If you are looking to wanting to be a patron, uh, just check out our links below. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trident Wargaming. I'm your host Andy. Uh, today I am joined with one of our Bolt Action community members, Bob. How's it going? It's going good, and yourself? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. It's a nice early morning, you got your cup of joe, we're doing a podcast, things are great. <laughs> so Couldn't be better. So today, uh, it's funny, we had uh, just a little history on this episode. We had actually done this episode before and had some uh, technical difficulties on my end. But So here we are doing it again. So bringing you guys some Conflict 47. Um, it is a bolt action game that uh, gets a little weird. So uh, that will be our topic for today in this podcast uh just overall it's it's plays very similar to bolt action uh, and there's a couple different rules that are a little different but we'll go into detail and not in the episode um so bob he does play uh conflict 47 a bit with uh his cousin thomas no just buddy buddy i thought it was your cousin no oh, no we're okay. just old, old buddies <laughs> from high school well there you go misinformed me <laughs> oh no worries no worries all good <laughs> i mean we've known each other long enough to be cousins so we'll call it that <laughs> there you go <laughs> um so yeah they uh they play conflict 47 a bit uh, and they brought it over to our local shop i've played a couple games uh, it's it's definitely interesting and different um and could be quite enjoyable for any of you guys who kind of like that uh little weird war uh, Wolfenstein kind of feel to a game, right? So, um, but yeah. But before we jump into that, uh, we can talk a little bit hobby time. What's on the front? What's on the uh, the workbench? Uh, what would yourself, Bob? Got anything on the go? Uh, right now I got two two projects on the go. Uh, the first one is uh, I. I tend to play all sorts of different games, especially little indie studios. I like to sort of pick through all the different ones that are out there and try them out. Uh, recently, I got some models from a 15 mil company out in Britain called Alternative Armies for their Ion Age game. And these are sort of Rogue Trader inspired Space Marine slash Medieval Knight kind of sci-fi miniatures. Okay. So I'm doing up a couple a couple units for one page rules and one page rules is a really slimmed down indie version of 40k whatever units in 40k they've kind of rewritten some rules for them and put it into a much more simplified uh game that just sort of plays quicker and smoother uh so for myself where sometimes time can be a little tough and i don't always have time for you know a big game of 40k i can this out with my boy and we can play a game in less than an hour so nice. and the 15 mil scale is nice because storage and terrain and everything is a lot smaller so 
Nice. So that's one thing I'm working on. And then the other is uh, my son and I recently split a starter of Star Wars Legion. Started learning how to play that. And uh, both of us got pretty interested. And I, I found a excellent member of the Edmonton game community that was looking for some Judge Dredd. So we made a trade. So I'm now up to my ears in Star Wars Legion. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, lots of lots of good games out there, right, to jump into. And, and like you said, community members. There's there's some really good people out there. Um, you know, they make things happen and uh, always swapping around games and stuff and miniatures. So it's pretty good. Yeah, I find a, I find a lot of stuff, my stuff too, from the community. Just you find some good deals. So very good. Yeah. Yeah, I've always found the community really good for buy and sell and trade. It really, really kind of allows games to flourish a little bit too, because you start to get more pieces out there, right? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, I know uh, myself, I'm kind of a bit everywhere as well. Uh, still working on my DAC Germans. Uh, I got a fair bit of them painted. And... Uh, of course, the other games I play in Horse Heresy. I uh, just recently got into a game called Conquest, um, so that's interesting to to take a look at. Kind of hits that fantasy vibe for me. Uh, other than that, that's the usual. Just uh, working on miniatures. Um, almost finished my terrain for my event coming up, and uh, yeah, going from there. Just banging out some hobby goals for the year, and uh, you know, checking them off the list. So. <laughs> That's kind You're of always a busy hobby man. Every day, man. Almost every day. <laughs> just time I get, just jump into things. It's half the time my workstation's a mess, but, you know, got to take some time to organize and get going again. So, yeah, my work table's a pile of shame right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right, <laughs> bes right beside me is my conquest army kind of thing, right? So they're kind of like in queue just waiting to get like based and primed and stuff but other priority projects kind of hit the desk so but uh, but yeah conflict 47 what is conflict 47 first off all right so to start with so conflict 47 is a bit of a world war ii alternate universe uh like you said we're saying wolfenstein kind of, you know, maybe a bit of weird tech-inspired uh, World War II game. Mm -hmm. it, its name derives from the fact that World War II is still going on, and we're into 1947. And one of the reasons that the war kind of dragged out and went longer was the introduction of unique technology from special rifts that were caused during the drop of nuclear bombs. Right. So where the history sort of diverges is during the uh, test in New Mexico, the Americans test their atomic bomb, it opens a rift. From that rift, they begin to just start getting coded messages and they begin working on sort of cracking the code and trying to figure it out. In the meantime, uh, the war in Germany is going a little bit worse, so they actually, instead of dropping the first bombs in Japan, they drop one uh, on Dresden in March of 1944. 
So thinking that will help them turn the tide uh, versus the Germans. However, this now gives the Germans a riffs. So they begin getting similar things, coded messages from the rifts that they begin to work on. Essentially, these coded messages are different technologies and advancements. And so it's a race between German and American scientists to begin cracking these things and essentially uh, handing them out to their allies. Okay. So the Americans begin cracking a bit of the tech, sharing with the Ger- or the British. Uh, where the Germans begin sharing with the Japanese. The Russians, in the meantime, are kind of left in the cold, pardon the pun, <laughs> uh, by, uh, by their American and British allies. And so they just decide, well, they're going to start stealing the technology and doing the best that they can with just rigging it up on whatever they can. So it now sort of devolves into a three-way war between uh, the allies being the British Commonwealth, uh, America, and then, of course, uh, the resistance French against the uh, German and Italians, uh, the Vichy French, and then the Japanese. And then the uh, Russians just kind of on their own, kind of at war with everybody. And so basically by 1947, it's devolved into a global war of divergent technology where you have say allied tanks with tesla cannons shooting lightning bolts or german tanks with gravity pulse waves Uh, the soviets in the meantime have mastered sonic weapons and then everybody kind of has their own version of super soldiers so whether it's the americans very much a patriotic captain america style super soldier program uh, the Germans put it into developing wolfmen and uh, kind of bat hybrid men, so giant oh, leathery right. wings and and uh, badass claws and teeth. And kind then like mutants the almost. Russians, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And the Russians uh, actually create a female patriotic unit of just super badass women with AK forty sevens. And so every nation kind of has their own unique feel, even more so than Bolt Action. I mean, at the end of the day, I will give Bolt Action a lot of credit for taking a basic GI trooper and a basic tank, and yet still managing to give every nation and unit kind of some flavor, like some differentiation. Yeah. And then once you get into conflict, you really, you really branch that out. Nice. Yeah, it seems um, uh, like as you were talking about a bit of the history, there's like 21 pages of background history to to the game. So if you're ever getting into that, definitely read that up. It's it's a good good read. A lot of good yeah, art in the book. They did a really good job of just taking their timeline and advancing it. They didn't just say, okay. You know, this is where we diverged and that's it. They actually will break it down into seasons and explain how the war is advancing and how the rift tech is is changing things. Uh, so one of the first rift techs to actually come into play was for the Germans, and they were zombies. And right. that 
helped in the Battle of the Bulge, basically, where suddenly Allied units were running into zombies. And because at the end of the day, no matter how brave you think you are, pretty sure the first time any of us see a zombie we're probably going to crap ourselves a bit (laughs) and so the allies were put on the back foot as suddenly reanimated german troops are pushing the front lines right and then as it goes on it'll look into the other rip tacks and it, it starts to show how the war begins to balance out and so in the initial rule book it focuses mainly on uh the four main players the americans the british the Germans, and the Russians. Okay. And it focuses mostly on the Western Front and what's kind of happening around France and stuff like that. Two expansions were released. Uh, one was called Resurgence, where they expanded and added the Japanese and the Finns. And so they actually went through and talked more about what was happening over uh, in the East and how Riptech was advancing in the East. So focusing a bit more on the Americans and the Japanese, but of course also the Russians are involved over there. Uh, And then the third expansion was Defiance. And Defiance added the Italian army. And so then we went more into the fluff and advancing the timeline kind of down in Italy. And they actually went rather unique there. Uh, So with Italy, Italy is now split in half with a pro-allies faction and then a pro-fascist faction. And so while they have their own unique units for each side they also can borrow some uh units from the allies as well so italy is actually one of the more interesting armies you could pick because you could essentially build both a allied and an axis army with only swapping out a few units Hmm. but once again like you were saying they advance all of their timeline and what's happening in the war uh you know in these books with fluff whether it's direct direct explanation or little side stories or anything like that. That's good. A little, little bit of history on the game, right? And a little bit of, um, like you said, explanation of, of what's going on and, and whatnot. And it's good to see that they actually did come out with a couple of expansions. So um, bringing in other faction. And, and I guess that's the beauty of like Conflict 47 is that they have kept to history up to a point and now they kind of have their own story that they're doing, which allows mm-hmm. them, allows them to create other scenarios, other units, specialized stuff. You know, uh, maybe they come across a miniature line that they, they really like, or they make and they introduce some new, you know, obscure units to the armies to, to bolster their miniature line and, and whatnot and like their, their game. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And it, you, it's very interesting. You do see that. Yeah. Kind of like that. Cause it's... I want to see the, the game has probably been out. Oh, I'm going to say six or seven years. Always with COVID, I'm kind of lost two years. So I never quite calculate <laughs> stuff. Right. Uh, so actually it came out in 2016. So it's okay. been out for a while. Yeah, it's had some good development and, and progress. It did 
bogged down during COVID because uh, at the time, Conflict 47 was a game owned by a company called uh, Clockwork Goblin. And then Warlords had the rights to distribute. So Clockwork Goblin was a studio of about three dudes. And I'll say one thing, those guys did work hard because they did try and churn out content. But at the end of the day, it was three guys, you know, working out of their garage kind of thing. For those three guys, I think they put out a heck of a product and they did really good. Now, recently, Warlord has apparently bought everything. Yes. So Warlord is now in control of everything, from what I understand. And in fact, you you might actually know more about this than I do, to be honest. Yeah, they're from from what I've heard is that they have now um, pretty much control of it, and um, it sounds like, and it even you can see it on the website. There has been a lot of like Conflict Forty Seven stuff coming back out onto the mainstream, and. Um, I have a feeling that it's going to probably be a resurgence for, for the game. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a new edition, um, if they're going to put it in line with the current bolt action second edition rules. Um, but to me, like from what I have a feeling of is just, you're going to come, you're going to see it come back out. There's probably going to be like a new starter set of some sort, um, maybe a revamp of the of the rule book itself to come in line with second edition. Um, but I also could be wrong. They could keep it this at this edition, just having it as its own, um, you know, separate kind of rule set, right? So my my gut, based on kind of where conflict is and stuff, I, it probably does need a new edition. And I would think Warlord would see that. Uh, now, it's it's nowhere as near as bad as... And I, I'm not going to try and knock the company, but like playing 40k, you can wind up needing a ton of books. Mm. Conflict does suffer the, from that a little bit, in that you have your main rulebook, you do have the two expansions. Um, you can get by without them, but they add a lot to the game. So so, so really, I would say they're, they're required with a bit of an asterisk. Right. And then you have your fact, right? So so if I do roll up to a table, I kind of need to have four books ready to go. Uh, I think that all that could be combined. And, and that would make sense from a Warlord perspective. And also to bring it more in line with Bolt Action so that it can become more of a, uh, once again, pardon the pun, but a bolt-on for Bolt Action, right? Mm-hmm. So an easier transition for a player where maybe they they buy a unit or two and it's not necessarily having to delve into a whole new set of rules. Right. Um, The the rule similarities are there. And in fact, transferring over to bolt action, because I started with conflict. I was a bit of a weird guy. I started with conflict with my buddies. Hmm. Um, And then I moved over to bolt action after. So there's a few little nitpicky bolt action rules that catch me. But the core rules are, are the same, you know, with with some additions to uh, reactions. So instead of just uh, going down, you have more reactions when you're shot at, if you haven't had your turn yet, to uh, the melee rules are more expanded because there's just more melee units. Like we were talking about the mutants, right? The yeah. wolfmen, 
and then the hybrid bat i think they're like bat crocodile something else vampire guys who are just sweet looking models uh you know those things they got a wreck face and melee so how do you do that in in bolt actions rules while keeping the balance and so they kind of they expanded the melee rules more yeah there's there's a bit difference for sure like you said um but like we can we can go into a little detail with some of that stuff that is different um sure so i mean if you want to kind of start maybe maybe start with some reactions um right now reactions to me are what put conflict ahead of bolt action and it's just my opinion nothing else but reactions really add to your turn sequence in my opinion so normally in bolt action when i shoot at a unit their option is pretty much to just go down correct yeah 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 pretty much so in in conflict we actually have uh reactions which now give you more options when you are fired at so when i shoot at a unit if that unit has not activated it now has uh, a few different options the first one is it can return fire and the fire is simultaneous uh the second option if the unit is not within six inches you can actually run to cover so if you're somewhere caught out in the open you can actually make a quick dash towards cover. So, you know, maybe instead of getting in a firefight for mutual annihilation, you actually need your unit to survive. You might want to go duck into that heavy cover or get out of line of sight. Uh, So right there, and then, of course, they have go down. So right now you have three options when you're shooting or being shot at, but it just opens that door so much more for what your unit can do. And also... It helps balance those turns when your dice just isn't getting pulled. You know what I mean? You you have one of those turns and your opponent's dice just seem to be coming one after the other. And all you can do is in bolt action is maybe keep going down to try and save your skin or, or hoping he rolls bad. But like there isn't a lot you can do. This game, if that dice pull isn't going my way and I need to try and break it up a little bit, at least I can react. I can do something with my units to to affect the game so it just gives you those more options right and anytime you have more options that are valid options you just have that those choices coming at you during the game and that's where those calculated risks become much more interesting yeah because these uh these reactions they they don't automatically go off except except for down right yeah, down you can always go off, or will always go off. The other ones, you have to make a leadership test. Uh, if you fail, you don't pull your dice out of the bag or anything, but your unit gets a pin. So, right. you know, if, you, if you're if you doing that Soviet inexperienced horde, you might not always be reacting because that risk of getting pins and stuff like that. But if you're a more elite army, uh, you're going to feel more elite because you're going to be pulling off those re- those reactions more. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, I kind of wish they still had this in regular bolt bolt action because it yeah, feels to I, me it feels to me like there's a lot more tactical decisions with this. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's what I was saying. The the more times 
you get to kind of control what the dice do. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is, once again, like we we're talking, if you know, I, you're getting all your dice out and I'm not, in bolt action, there's just not much I can do, right? This game, even if that's not going well, I still have tactical options. So they're still providing me, even though I'm not even the active player, with a chance to play the game. And the more time any player spends playing the game, I think it's a better game. I think we've all played those games where it's your opponent's turn, so you might as well go get your coffee and snack because he won't be done his <laughs> movement for a while, right? Like, I hear you. And, I mean, I I used to play guard, so I didn't even have to worry about armor saves. I'd tell him just remove whatever models he killed. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I remove one of my, you know, 100 of infantrymen that's on the board. Yeah, no problem. So, so that's the reactions was actually one of the big draws uh, for me for conflict when I was reading reviews and stuff like that. So those reactions aren't just in shooting. You actually have those for melee as well. When someone charges you, Uh, if someone tries to assault you, you actually have the option of either trying to shoot them ahead of time, kind of like in bolt action. There, there is that option. Um, But in this case, yeah, the stand and shoot has less caveats than the bolt action one. The bolt action one, you have to be within six or something like that? Or, or how's the bolt um, action one as, as long as the unit that's charging isn't within that six, you can return, uh, pretty much stand and shoot overwatch. Oh, but, okay. But if they're within so, six, yeah. then they're caught. They're you know caught by surprise kind of thing, right? So Okay, so conflict is you can do that shooting regardless of the di- distance, as long as they're in range of your guns. So even if something gets within six, you can still do that stand and shoot. Uh, your other option is actually to try and escape, which is you can take a run move, right? And just try and get out of range of that that assault. Uh, so one of the reasons those exist is because, like I was saying, the assault units can be quite deadly. Um, oh, yeah. And they will like just wipe out a squad if that squad doesn't necessarily have some options. It's not really a close fight at times and so this is just kind of to help balance that out and once again give you the player on the defense of some more options okay yeah because like like you said before with um these new units these monstrous style units and uh other probably other elite units that the armies have um close combat wise i don't see a regular infantry squad really holding up to that but yeah, yeah. No, they had to put they, they something don't. in yep. right to give you at least a chance because i mean that would that would kind of suck in a sense but it's also part yeah, of the game you, you just get leapfrog kind of with some of these fast assault units yeah. so there there is a good amount of checks and balances the assault units are they're a double-edged sword they are a little tricky to use. Uh, so often your first few games, you're going to think, why did I ever buy these things? Because you're going to kind of try and push them up the field and charge the closest thing, and then you're going to realize, like, that was kind of dumb. But if you plan out a little bit and use uh, some pinning and suppression, these assault units are just deadly. So to me, it's a great balance between I can't just bully rush you and I have to think to plan an assault, but if I plan it right, 
you have no hope. Hmm. Okay. And with the, uh, so with these units, because I'm, I just kind of was looking at some of the special rules here. Uh, they are probably having some of these style spe uh, special rules like tooth and claw, tough, that kind of thing, right? That's right. So as I'm so, as I'm kind of reading through, like tough as an example, it reminds me of uh, a rule from uh, Horse Heresy, which is called feel no pain. Um, so essentially, you're you know, you get hit by weapons and you and you roll a five plus, you ignore that damage. But if it has a, a damage modifier of two plus, it negates that rule. It is very that's very similar to Horse Heresy where you have the same kind of rule, same kind of idea. And then if the weapon instant kills you, which is double your toughness, um, mm. it negates that rule. So like it's, it's almost identical. Um, right. So it, it, to me, that's for those big units, those, those new specialized units that are, you know, don't have range. At least that gives them a chance to get into combat. Yes. Right. Yeah. They, they need that tough for sure. Um, and the beauty is that little damage penetration modifier plus two, that surprisingly adds a lot more options now when you're list building. Like your anti-tank rifle kind of has a use, right? Like, I know that some bolt action armies might take an anti-tank rifle because they're trying to get that order dice, but they're really not thinking or caring about the plus two penetration. In this game, that plus two penetration is now going to cancel out some of those tough units, right? Auto cannons become quite a good uh, a killer of these type of units. Mm -hmm. So some of those more niche weapons become a bit more of a all-round weapon in this game, just with sort of that that level of 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 rule writing. Essentially, you know, those big tough units. I need something that might have to penetrate their armor shape, and much like bolt action this isn't a game where you have armor saves so the few units with tough are just that like they got that save and they're a little bit harder to take off the board and like you're saying with uh tooth and claw and even another popular one that you see on a lot of those monster units is uh it's fear if i remember no terror these are both units that help tooth and claw give you lots more attacks in melee and then the terror one basically sort of pins units um, before you make your attack. So they, oh, okay. it's, they're less successful at doing those reaction fires and stuff like that. So there's, there's some interesting little rule, rule balances and, and interactions to kind of, once again, where I said like planning is such a key, key thing, right? So. Uh, another yeah. good one that I really like, and you see it a lot more, not just on, say, the monstrous creatures, uh, but some of the super soldiers, or even the jetpack equipped guys are fast and jump, right? Um, Is it bolt action, everybody's moving six inches, and your tanks are kind of how you get around. This game adds a little bit more fun stuff. You have some faster guys that move quicker, and, and you have some jump pack units, and it just sort of adds into that sort of yeah i'm playing in world war ii but somebody with just a slightly better tech can really take advantage of it because 
there isn't just hard counters everywhere, right? Yeah. It's just the little rules like that that really add to the flavor of the game. Nice. Yeah, it, it seems like, it, it to me it kind of seems like it's a little mix. It's just a, a little sprinkle of uh, some of the more, um, you know, mainstream games like 40K kind of thing. Uh, just a little sprinkle of some of their kind of little special units or rules. Like you said, flight. You know, you have that feel no pain kind of thing, like the toughness. You have horror, you have strong, resilient. Like these are rules that are not in regular bolt action. But just the overall uh, rules, they're they're very simple, but they add a bit a little more flavor and it allows you to create some flavorful armies as well right you know uh, whatever your imagination I would agree is with that. whatever your imagination yeah, I, is I right? think that's, yeah that's a good way of putting it I, I is, is you can and the beauty too is you can take that sort of realistic aspect of bolt action like okay i i'm gonna build my unit and and say it's gonna be the big red one right that the american infantry division and I want to do something like that. And okay, we're late war so they can be upgunned and stuff like that. And then you can sort of think, okay, now I've got these troopers with heavy armor, right? The Rift tech has allowed us to, to build heavier sort of armor for, for our troopers. Well, the big red one would have that right at the front line. So yeah, I'm going to add a couple of these big heavy dudes, right? And so now I get a bit of a different model to paint. Mm -hmm. I get a model that's, tougher like more resilient on the battlefield that you know maybe if you gotta get across that open ground it's not just suicide like these guys can kind of do it right and then you might look through and, and think okay if if i've got something like that like you know we haven't talked about them yet but maybe i'm gonna bring a mech not a tank right i'm gonna bring a walker yeah because you know it's a rubble strewn battlefield and i want to get around it so you know, and it would fit in with my infantry. So it just allows you to sit there and take even something from history, do it historically accurate, and then just have a little bit of fun with it. You know, just enough to, if you have some, uh, what is it, rivet counters in there, yeah. you can just sort of <laughs> irritate them, right? Like, Or just forget about that whole thing. And you, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy, exactly. it's a, a historical fantasy kind of, uh, setting right so it, it just yeah. popped into my head you know what this reminds me of is marvel's uh you know hail hydra back uh back in the day where they had those pulse guns and stuff like that and and fancy equipment yeah so which is, is pretty it's, cool gotta admit it's a fun fun game and fun universe i think is a good way to put it like i don't think it's it and i don't want to word this wrong the rules are, are serious in that the rules are, are well-written, much like bolt action and stuff like that. But like when you're designing lists and you're playing, I feel it's much more fun, is I think the way to put it. Like You can mm -hmm. tell that it was a labor of love by the guys that designed it. You get to just sort of stretch your boundaries a little bit, dip your toe into a bit of sci-fi, and, and like you said, look back at... at you know, Marvel movies with Hydra or Wolfenstein and, and zombies and 
so it, you just get to kind of do something that's a bit not quite so serious. Think of those. Um, I, I've seen a few of them over the years where they have these movies that are based in World War II, but it's like some kind of uh, horror kind of movie or, um, you know, some weird, a weird movie, right? Where it's World War II, but they're assaulting this castle that there's experiments happening and they're like vampires or something in there, right? Or, yep. uh, you know, you get some fancy tech, you know, that kind of stuff. But essentially, you know, you kind of look at it and like, I don't know, there's also like a rocketeer kind of pops in my head, you know? Yeah. Uh, just that kind of style. I can see see stuff like big propaganda posters with, you know, pictures of these uh, walking, these walkers on it and, you know, join the fight, you know, kind of that corny, that era oh, yeah. kind of, you know. Very pulpish. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it, the, the nice thing too, like hobby wise for this game as well, like you said, um, you know, guys who are really into the historical part of it, you know, they, they, they may or may not jump into this, but uh, the nice thing about this is this allows you to play around now with your with your miniatures and your hobby, and you know you can essentially paint them however the heck you want to paint them, and and uh, do little extras or do little fancy things. Maybe you know maybe you change up the uniforms and stuff, right? Because they're advancing, and, and now it's kind of a different section of you know whatever army that you're playing, right? Um, yeah, which is pretty neat. Like it's it's, I think the game itself has enough, uh, in it, to really really stand out from its counterpart of Bolt Action. Uh, miniatures alone, there are some pretty fancy miniatures. Um, you know, even the walkers, and I, I do want to talk a bit more about the walkers here too. Um, a lot of the factions have have not just one style walker right and they have mm. a couple and they're a little different you know some are some seem like they're a little bit more dreadnought style others seem like they're a little bit more sentinel kind of style um, which is pretty cool yeah. and they bring they bring something different to the game uh, not just because they're walkers but they also I think some of them can be mounted with a little bit of different weaponry than just like your normal World War II stuff, right? So, yeah, the the walkers are a great addition into the the vehicle options. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, let's see, there you start with sort of the the scout walkers is your lightest type, and then you get into a medium walker, uh, a heavy walker, and a super heavy walker. So there's a lot of a lot of options, much like the tanks, right? For for bolt action. Yeah, and the the rules are unique enough too to just make them a little bit different than tanks. To sit there and go, well, why would I take one over a tank? So they tend to be, for one thing, uh, they can get around terrain easier. Okay. And then the other thing that's interesting about walkers is, uh, for equivalent size, so a medium tank, for example, armor value is nine plus. A medium walker's armor value is eight plus, so a little bit weaker, but it's eight plus all around so all walkers have equivalent armor all around so in a more urban type environment walkers are a little bit better because infantry can sneak up on them 
you're still going to have that same armor value all around. And like you said, weapon options for them is usually often quite unique. Uh, they have some walkers have fists for smashing stuff. Some walkers have some of the fancy tech weapons on them. And then some walkers still just have the same old, old-fashioned weapons, just on a new platform. And it makes for some really unique-looking models. Uh, and a good example is the, the M8 Grizzly Walker, which is kind of the most generic sort of like Sherman of walkers for the Americans. Okay. You look at it, and it looks like the Sherman of walkers. It just has a look that looks very World War II-ish. Its front cannon is the the 75 millimeter, you know, medium anti-tank gun, and it looks like it belongs in World War II while still just being a little, little bit different and funky. And so they did a really good job with their rules balance, look, and feel in the army. They did coordinate that quite well, and they can be fun models to paint and convert right oh, yeah. at the end of the day your tank you can put some more stowage on and maybe a guy sticking out or whatever well the walker now you got a leg you can have crushing a german or you know the fist squishing a, a soviet like you you just have a lot more modeling options with these things while still once again having that bit of fun in in a world war ii feel so making it much more comic booky or something yeah, I know for sure. It's uh and it's it's you know the nations have different type of units too, right? Like the walkers they they are different from each uh faction. Like the Germans seem to have more larger cannons uh turrets right. on their walkers or open topped whereas the it looks like the Americans are more um they almost kind of look more dreadnought like in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Soviets are kind of a mix, I think. That's right. So, yeah, you're right. The The Germans have very much a, a four-leg four walker style. So they don't have... They get a, a an assault map later in one of the other books. But in the, the main rule book, your, your main German walkers are a scout walker with four legs and then two almost like tiger tanks with... Four legs, and uh, the Americans, like you said, they actually have a sort of mix of all sort of dreadnought-looking type walkers, whether they're scout or they're they're medium ones, all just with sort of different armament options and, and things like that. And one is also actually a jump man. So if you want to do like a newfangled, you know, air airborne platoon, well, you'd probably support it with a mech that's capable of jumping out of a plane. And then the, the Soviets, like you said, they have a mix where, once again, that reflects that sort of Soviet, the way they got their technology was feeling it. So, you know, they got the German design and kind of made their big Mastodon, you know, multi-leg mech. And then their scout mech is actually just a two-legger that looks like they strapped an air, uh, airplane cockpit on. Like it very much looks like it's just bolted together oh, yeah. after whatever they have. Is it the Cossack Light Walker? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is kind of funny looking. And the, the guys kind of left in the dust here a little bit are the Brits, uh, in that they pretty much have lend-lease walkers. So their walkers all come from the Americans. 
Oh, okay. They yep. do in in the uh, in Defiance, the one expansion. They actually do get their their own. Oh, and Resurgence as well. They get their own British made mechs. Like they're just they're only British mechs. The Americans don't have access to them, kind of thing. Uh, but they still follow that same idea of of two legs and having some fists. And even in the uh, the fluff, they talk a bit about it where. The Allied troops love the walkers with fists because they can come along and like help them build barricades and stuff like that. Oh, so, okay. so even the little bits of, of design that they put in, sometimes you get a bit of background story into why they went with that design. So nice. Yeah, that's that's always good when they do that, right? Not just throw a unit in there. This is what it is, but. Um, yeah, because like there's there's actually a, a a fair bit of different type of units throughout the armies as I was looking just at the back here. Um, I guess one thing with the game, uh, unlike regular bolt action, you have so many options and like the the main books plus the theater selectors, um, you know, the campaign books. Uh, you have you have tons of units and stuff to play around with um whereas you know looking at conflict 47 when you're looking at the units in the back of the book uh, it seems like they've kind of incorporated like just infantry squads are kind of that's that's what they are like there's no uh like chindit squads or stuff like that i don't maybe there is for british i didn't actually look at the british but um that's that's actually where the expansions come in. Oh, it is, eh? So, okay. yeah, Good. Resurgence and Defiance, uh, what they added was a lot of the more generic infantry squads that weren't in the main rulebook. Because you're right, main rulebook, it's, you know, your basic British infantry and maybe your veteran infantry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, the they were definitely leaning more towards a lot of their more, uh, like, their weird war units. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But when they brought out the expansions, they did add uh, a lot of the more sort of supplementary uh, unit profiles. So Chindits, SS Stormtroopers, uh, Falsham Jaeger got redone into like a more true Falsham Jaeger squad style. Uh, I'm just trying. So American Marines. So all of those were added. What they didn't though is they didn't get into sort of like where you have theater selector specialists the game didn't do that instead I think they went with the idea that the specialists are your weird war units so rather than get a bunch of sort of nitpicky rules kind of spread out through books I think what they just sort of said is okay we'll, we'll give you some of the core stuff right airborne you know some options there and stuff but then if you want to really expand, like, you know, they want you to go, I think, that weird war style, which I don't blame them. That's the point of the game, yeah, you know. For sure. um, so there isn't much from bolt action that you can't carry over. It might not have a specific rule you were looking for, uh, but if you have a fall from Jaeger squad, there's a fall from Jaeger unit. If you have a Chindit unit, there's a Chindit unit. Uh, what you're not going to have is, sadly, there's only German engineers. I don't know why the other, oh, and Russian. 
but the other engineer units for the other nations wasn't involved, uh, put in, which I found a little odd. Uh, you're not going to have some of those, once again, those theater selector specific units. So I'm not all up on theater selections yeah. with bolt action. I never really got into that, but uh, you know, I do, if I recall correctly, there's in the latest one with the Canadians, there's like a Canadian's first wave on the beach kind of specialist unit. They're not going to have that. Right. But they will have a, you know, British veteran infantry squad. So you can at least take them over with that and then, you know, just support them with British heavy infantry with medium machine or light machine guns. Like what the heck that'll shoot up enough stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess that's, I mean, different game, different progression kind of thing. So they kind of clumped, clump things into, uh, the categories. And, you know, of course with the prolonged war and whatnot going to 47, you would have just like, as an example, you know, you have your, your Wehrmacht infantry squad, um, you know, they're still regular, right. But yeah. this, that's your main kind of squad. And then it goes over to like, you know, Waffen SS, Fallschirmjäger, or just a veteran infantry squad. Those are all clumped mm -hmm. together as that. So model wise or whatever, you know, even if you have, like you said, you know, um, one of the other, uh, infantry or even miniatures that you have that there is no option for them here, you can always run them as infantry or veteran kind of idea right and this is the selection that they would just use and you can just fill that in so that's right it, it's good uh then they have like you know some of the the armies will have like heavy panzerschreck anti-tank team um you got heavy snipers now and then you have all these special weird units you know totem Cor corpse squad Shock Troopers, uh, Shrek Wolfen, which are like the werewolf dudes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, they they have a fair bit of the Weird War uh, units, which is yeah. pretty cool. And and their sculpts are fantastic, I think. You know, uh, the British Automatons has to be one of my favorite miniatures I have ever seen. <laughs> it's just this, like, 40s sci-fi robot with a you know a tommy helmet yeah as <laughs> yeah. a tommy helmet doesn't make sense but it looks damn cool right like yeah their their aesthetic i i quite enjoy i think their sculptors are really good and their their models look really nice um and once again just going back to that hobby aspect like after you've painted 30 gis you know it's kind of cool to paint a heavy armor trooper like just something that's different and, and you can still make it fit to look in like it fits in the army but you're not just painting another squad of gis yeah change it up yep oh, for sure so oh, that's that's, uh, that's well put um and then even to go a bit into it um because i haven't talked about it yet is uh balance okay because everybody's gonna say like well why wouldn't i just take all the robots or all these heavy infantry guys. Why would I even take a basic infantry map? The internal balance is actually really good. Um, you can go all high tech, 
But it's kind of like if you were to fight, say, a veteran German army against a regular American army, where that regular American army just has more bodies, more activations, and sometimes it can outactivate you. Right. Well, take that elite German army and now make it cost more because it's got a bunch of toys, and suddenly you're going to get overwhelmed. Your basic infantry is still such a key unit in this game, whether it's taking objectives, helping to add some order dice, just get me some bodies on the board. Like I say, you can go full, full fancy army. Honestly, you'll probably struggle a bit because you'll be <laughs> maybe low on activations or, you know, the you just kind of get overwhelmed. You can't kill stuff fast enough because you don't actually have the physical models. So they did a really good job of balancing, like, why would I still use the old school stuff and why would I use the new school stuff? Uh, by the same token, you could come in with a completely normal bolt-action army and you'll actually play fine and you'll compete. Where you might suffer is, is say, in the, the assault phase. If some fast, hard-hitting assault units start hitting you, you know, and you don't have a counter for that or anything. So, so... It, they did a good job. Well, you kind of need a bit of everything to really play, but you can still play what you want, and you're not going to suffer. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, so, like, just definitely, like, looking through the, the, the factions. Um, as, like, with every army build and every game out there, uh, always kind of trying to build an army that will be able to kind of take on, you know, all kind of situations, like a balance, yeah. like you said. It's kind of uh, mm -hmm. kind of a good way to go. And then also, you know, throw in some of these specialized units where maybe you're lacking, you know. Um, and then, of course, if close combat is, if close combat is uh, um, a bigger deal in the game, then there's also that option of okay that's do, right do i have a counter assault unit or am i like going to be very mobile and very aggressive so do i want more of these close combat units and other units to screen you know stuff like that so it's it's a whole mm -hmm. other it's a whole other uh aspect to the game where um i think with regular bolt action you know there are some units out there like gurkhas and stuff that um really excel for close combat and you know they're normally like any other unit for shooting um, but they have the edge in close combat whereas in this game you know it, it looks like each nation has some options for for that yep right so there there's a decent balance. You get the expansions the, the expansions help out so you know, the British get commandos who then have tough fighters. Um, the, I think actually the only one, oh no, the, the Americans get like kind of a super soldier unit. That's good in melee. Uh, the Russians, they have their bears. So, so everybody does have pieces of the puzzle. Um, yes. And it just adds to that layer for, for army building. Like when you're looking at building your army and, you know, bolt action kind of has, okay, I'm going to make sure I got my core troops and then what's my support weapon? Well, always take a mortar, you know, and I'm going to take my tank, my armored car. And so unless somebody's doing something really different, I do find a lot of bolt action armies look similar. They still play it different, but they, they look similar in a way. 
Yeah, it, I do it does. Like, I, yeah, I can rock up with, you know, my British against Tom's Germans, and our armies will look different. I'm going to have robots, and he's going to have zombies, and I'm going to have a walker, and he's going to have a tank. Like, even visually, there's there's a lot of different on the board all of a sudden. Yeah. And it might be, um, that might be where Conflict 47 uh, gravitates for passer buyers, you know, getting their attention is because they see these kind of weird units. You know, they see, that. like, to me, I think the walkers would be what stands out the most. And then, uh, you know, if there's any of those larger monstrous kind of units too, but just seeing a walker on the board in a World War II setting you know, it's like, oh, what the hell is this, right? Yeah, um, yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> so, and then like on top of that, it it has kind of you know that game Dust. Um, yep. To me, it seemed like there's a little bit of feel like that because there was walkers, I guess, in that one. Um, but yeah, it's it, it to me, it's a good mix. It looks like it's uh, entertaining for people who want to have a little bit of that sci-fi a little bit of that f fantasy world war ii-esque horror kind of feel to a game uh just through the units but yet it still plays you know as bolt action with uh, a couple of little adjustments for some of the rules because it is based off of uh first edition um yep. which is which is fine because most of the stuff is actually quite similar um, but yeah, overall, I definitely be a game to like get into, uh, you know, if that's kind of your jam with the kind of weird war, I know there's a lot of people who will play both, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. Like I play a lot of different systems and even, um, the same company, but you know, they have two different systems, which are very similar and you can cross over miniatures. So yeah that's that's a great thing about this game as well and you really don't need you know if you're an existing bolt action player you really don't need that much extra to to actually jump into this game right um no it's it's super easy i mean at the end of the day you find say three units from the weird war that maybe just add something to your army that you felt was lacking in your bolt action army and it'll surprisingly play different on the table than your bolt action. Like just now with these weird units that you've added and what they can kind of do different and what they bring to the table. But in the meantime, you don't have to drop another, you know, whatever, 250 on a whole other army, right? You get to use what you've got for basic troops and your leaders and stuff like that. So nice. And let's face it, in today's day and age of economic times sometimes spending less is nice yeah that's true no that's that's very very true um a lot of people can really only play you know one or two games um so i mean they're gonna they're really gonna play what they like right so yeah uh, but if you're into that kind of game like conflict 47 you know you like it you can port over to just regular bolt action as well so that's pretty cost efficient there as well um might be a game for you to look into right uh there's plenty of models out there and i'm sure you can find some that are 
um, you know, on sale or whatever from the community and stuff too. Um, but well, and then there's always just good old fashioned converting. So yep. good example is, uh, for Totem Corpse, the German zombies, I grabbed, uh, I believe it's Mantic. They, they have some sort of sci-fi zombie kit. Okay. Of multi-part kit. And I mashing them together with, uh, SS and here human German troop kits, the plastic kit. So I'm not, even, you know, just find some zombie pieces and start slapping them on some plastic Germans. And you've started making token corpse. Nice. There you go. So don't ever be scared of converting. Everybody loves a good conversion. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I know it's, I, I know one of my armies is like, everything's pretty much being converted, but, uh, uh, for a different system, but yeah, it's it's one of those lost. I think it's one of those lost uh, things on some games, right? Like converting. Uh, yeah. Especially with everything, yeah, it snap to fit and and this and that, right? So. Yeah. But. It's and still even there. the. Yeah, it's it's still there. You still see it. It's it's nice when you see it because I don't know, just something different, right? I'm all about something different on the tabletop, and then it just looks a bit. A bit sharper. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's it's pretty good. That's uh kind of an overview of Conflict forty seven. Um we'll have to we'll definitely have to throw down sometime here in the future, you know, when you get some time when we're not so busy. <laughs> but um <laughs> it'll be good, uh start to throw this into the mix, especially on the the uh, game nights, you know, whenever people come down and stuff be nice to kind of showcase it a little bit more and then also um if they do uh, maybe this year i'm not 100 percent sure if they do something like warlord games does do something with conflict 47 that would be a bit of a resurgence and then uh, i'll try to uh try to definitely get some kits in if there's anything new that's coming out um so that we can get that rolling as well even just having a new rule set if it comes out and then just starting to play it and, you know, starting to experiment and bring in these new units and, and have them on the board. Yeah, That'd be I'm, great. I'm, I'm kind of waiting and hoping Warlord kind of just sort of does a little bit of something with it. Like, they, yeah. I can't see him getting the rights for no reason. So I assume they got something in mind. So I kind of look forward to seeing what they do, even if it means you know, changing up or losing maybe a rule I like or something, but just to, to bring it to the forefront a little more. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I think, um, well, I know Warlord Games usually does like uh, these little blogs and videos on, on YouTube. They kind of have like, a, uh, you know, a FAQ kind of seminar. So I'm sure... Sure, the next one that they have, they'll probably have some people asking questions about Conflict 47, um, if they haven't already. Um, but usually you can get some decent answers out of the guys, what their plans are, what's coming out, that kind of thing. So keep an eye for that stuff. I think they usually do it, I think, three or four times a year. Uh, they just okay. have these little videos. So if, um, yeah, if it pops up, I'll, I'll make sure to send it your way and stuff as well. Um, but definitely, Perfect. you know, if you, if you guys have any interest after, you know, uh, listening or watching to the episode here, definitely check out conflict 47. 
Uh, it'll fit right in with your games for, for bolt action. It's a lot of cool units, a lot of cool miniatures. I'm sure you'll find something that you, you'll like out of it. Um, we'll have to uh, definitely look into the expansions at some point just to give guys more idea of what's in the books and, and the expansions. Um, just to give well, them an idea. it's kind of surprising, but there there is enough between the expansions and everything where really, like a faction could take up an episode kind of thing. Going oh, okay. through even just just the weird war units, like not even sitting there and going through every unit, just to look at the weird war units. You could you could make a an hour of going through like the German stuff and talking about it. Like there there is actually a lot of units and different things with the game it's it's surprisingly extensive i think myself nice well, that's good that's good to hear though like some games don't uh some games just get released and then they don't really get too much support right so mm-hmm. um but obviously this this will be a mainstay i'm pretty sure considering that world war games has uh, like you said, gotten pretty much the rights to the game, but then they also, their other game, what is it, uh, Mentaris? Mm-hmm. I know they kind of put it on the back burner a little bit, so I have a feeling maybe Conflict is like the one to replace it and get more attention. Yeah, to and, you know. bring a bit of sci-fi into their stable. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. They got plenty of games. They got a lot of stuff to work on. Uh, everybody has their favorites, and of course, their favorites across different countries or the scales, or you know, this is more popular here and there, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, I can definitely see see this being brought into the community and and uh, get more games of it in, you know, stuff like that. So I even mentioned, uh, I actually mentioned to Thomas, like, you know. Um, guys ever want to come down or whatever slow grow doesn't matter whatever day and you guys want to play conflict conflict 47 and and maybe get other players looking into it by all means you know like it's always welcome right any games like that is yeah. welcome especially with uh um, yeah, i won't i was gonna say i won't lie i'm i'm kind of the weak link here on that one it's uh some days my schedule just never seems to work yeah, it's uh, that's everybody though. That's fine. It's um, one of these days we'll the three of us can get together and you know do something with it, and I can probably drag a fourth person in, and maybe have like a two on two and kind of show off the game, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be great. Have fun with it. So, but yeah, um, so yeah, if you guys like the episode, you know, leave some comments. Maybe you guys do play Conflict Forty Seven already. Uh, tell us what you like. Um, tell us what maybe you like to see. That kind of thing. Show off your miniatures. We, we always love seeing that. Uh, again, Bob, thanks for, for joining me on this episode. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. No problem. No problem. And uh, we'll definitely hook up more and, and do some more episodes on the game and stuff. And uh just put it into the rotation, right? It's always more content that, that helps me out too. And, uh, again, like I said, uh, definitely an interested in it and we'll have to pick up some minis here soon and start painting. So it's just a matter of which nation am I going to explore? <laughs> it's tough. I've gone down too many rabbit holes. I hear you. <laughs> I hear that. 
So, I think at this point in time, I have Finns, uh, Chindits, Canadian, nice. German, and I sort of started some Americans. Okay, cool. That's awesome. It's a good little selection. Different too. Yeah, nice. yeah. Well, I try to try to do them all different because, like I said, it's it's surprising how different every faction is. Like I, like I said, sometimes bolt action gets a little homogenous. This game does a really good job of of breaking it up and playing different. Like I say, so the different the different nations definitely have different things you can do with them. Very good. There you have it. If you'd like some different units, it's the game to go into. So thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure to check out the socials and all that, wherever you listen us to or watch watch us. Uh, keep an eye out for um, just more episodes on, on the Bolt Action world. So thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time. Have a good one.